um, guys, we got a we have a, a large, exciting event coming up. It's gonna be a, a real bonanza. What what is the bonanza? A real bash. We we got invited to a wedding. Oh no, Julian. You already found someone down there in the south. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I didn't think it was gonna be she this. Only, she fast. only got two she only got two front teeth and she talks like that. Damn, I didn't know you had family living down there. Jeez. <laughs> oh, oh, that's actually that's fucked up actually. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh anyway, I'm of course talking about a fictional wedding. Uh we here on the Hexdrinkers podcast don't actually have any people who would ever invite us because we are pieces of shit and we would totally Trash just the, the party. We would we would we, we we would do the speak now part and not the forever hold your peace part. And uh um anyway, uh I'm Jules. I'm joined here with my uh, co-hosts Eric. Hey. Oak. Hey. And Chev. Yo. And we are a long-time playgroup joining the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours. And today we're talking about Crimson Vow, the newest expert level expansion from world-renowned card game magic the gathering it's time for some prime picks that's right there's a new set and therefore we have to make definitive statements about what the best cards are going to be in arbitrary categories am i am i wrong in saying that not at all no i think these are these are the best categories to judge cards and all of our choices are 100 percent correct if they are mine (laughs) Can I claim that mine are like 99% correct? Just like I, I am the second most correct of everyone here? Yeah, I'll allow it. Okay, cool. I'm going to say that 65% of the time it works 100% of the time. For pretty <laughs> much everything said on this podcast. 2% of the time it works 10% of the time. <laughs> Those aren't good well, odds. We haven't right? had to do math in years. Don't make me start now. Yeah, I was going to say I took statistics a long time ago, but that doesn't sound too good. But anyway, since we have the most correct picks in the history of picking things... Uh, we might as well just get started, and we might as well get started with the most serious one, and that is, boys, Crimson Vow, bunch of new cards. What is your best picks for a constructed for any constructed format? We used to just do standard. We just had a rotation, but screw it. That's old hat now. Any constructed format you want to talk about, bada bing, bada boom. There it is. I think we're all talking about standard. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, well... They ain't got modern and legacy on arena yet, so <laughs> <laughs> show us those pretty graphics. I'll go first as someone who has very little idea in the um, standard format, except I know it is governed by rules of something that's cheap and powerful is usually what you want to do. Ooh. So I picked Cemetery Illuminator. Cemetery Illuminator is part of that cycle of uh, ETB and sometimes attack. Uh, exile card from a graveyard. Cemetery Illuminator is a three mana two three in blue with flying. On each turn, you may cast a spell from the top of your library if it shares a card type with a card exiled with Cemetery Illuminator. So we get a lot of spirit synergies in this set. Um, A 2-3 body for 3 with flying that gives you just consistent card advantage and graveyard hate seems like a pretty solid thing. And I'm just shooting that dart at the standard dartboard and we're going to see what happens. I think this is not not the worst pick you could have made, Chev. I mean, you're right. It's 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 cheap. It's card advantage, and it's a mythic rare. So that's that's check one. It's, I it's think I, what you need right there. Throw it yeah. in a uh, epiphany deck, and well, it doesn't matter what else you throw in an epiphany deck. That's pretty. You pretty much could just register uh, fifty six islands in epiphany, and you'd still win. But I I see the thought. I I think one of the things that I I didn't realize until just now that I think is good is it says once each turn, not just on your mm. turn. So if mm-hmm. you have an instant in exile. Um, and you have a bunch of instants in your deck, you can just 
chain through that mother like no tomorrow. So maybe in something more like historic where you've just got a bunch of ops and considers and other things, I feel like you could maybe do some uh, some pretty cool things in terms of just really ripping through your deck. I'll go next because I chose a card from actually the same cycle. I chose Cemetery Gatekeeper. Managed to steal this out from Oakley as I was just informed. <laughs> Cemetery Gatekeeper is one in a red for a first strike vampire. When Cemetery Gatekeeper enters the battlefield, exile a card from a graveyard. Uh, whenever a player plays a land or casts a spell, if it shares a card type with the exiled card, deal two damage to that player. And it's a 2-1. Uh, this card is built for aggro. It's built for burn. It is about the game ending as quickly as possible. What I like a lot about this card is that I think you can target your opponent's strategy very well. So if you run up against a deck that's running a lot of creatures, uh, you can, you know, try and punish them for doing that. And maybe you sideboard for burn or, uh, like, try and adjust your strategy so you're playing a few less creatures and they're getting punished by the gatekeeper more. Or, uh, you know, maybe they're playing a ramp deck and so you pick one of their lands and sure, you'll get burned when you play your lands, but they're playing more. I really like that versatility element of it. And I think a key thing to remember when playing Cemetery Gatekeeper is that the only life point that matters is your last one. So don't be afraid to take some burn damage if it's going to advance your game state. Yeah, I think this card definitely takes a page out of the book of Eidolon of the Great Revel. Um, and it may, it's maybe a card you could like side out Eidolon for. Like, you made a very good point, like decks that play a lot of lands. Like, I'm thinking like um, Amulet Titan in Modern. It's like you don't really want to run Eidolon against that, because it's just playing, you know, six-mana creature after six-mana creature, but it's also playing a lot of lands, so just exile one of those lands real quick, and you're uh, off to the races. So, I correct me if I'm wrong, but the lands are no matter what, right? Like, you don't need to exile the land. You can exile something else, and then it triggers on land or that. Oh! Right? Because it's whenever you play a land or cast a spell, if it shares a card type with the exiled card. No, it's plays a land or cast a spell... That oh, shares just because a card of the type. plays versus... Okay, interesting. I assumed it was land plus, but... So I guess technically, like, if you hit Urza's Saga, yeah, it's yeah. an enchantment and a land, and so enchantments and lands are now pinging for gotcha. two. Yeah. Hit a uh, artifact land, <laughs> go all in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. And also, important to note, yeah, this does hit you as well, so keep an eye on that. Um, my, my prime pick is another two mana... 2-1 with first strike. Uh, mine's, mine's a reprint, though, and not just a similar card to an old card. Uh, and that is Thalia, Guardian of Thraben. We finally got old Thalia back. Um, I mean, you probably already know what she does. Most important line of text on her card, though, is non-creature spells cost one more to cast. And I think this is something that Standard kind of really needs right now. Uh, with the prevalence <laughs> of uh, Chariot, Renin 7... Aron's Epiphany, a bunch of cheap instants and sorceries that people are just cheating on mana with uh, Fortel. Gotta put an end to that, and Thali's here to uh, do that. One thing I'll say is uh, uh, side her out against Mono Green because <laughs> uh, that's not that's not going to be a great matchup for Thalia. <laughs> Bruh, but the Essicus Chariots in the Blizzard Brawls. Yeah, that's true. This is, that is true. That's a good point. So maybe she's just always good. I don't know. Definitely main deckable, for sure. Oh, uh, Julian, what are you doing against Essica's Chariot? Well, first off, I want to say that I, I like Oak's pick. I I probably should have picked that. I just didn't even think about Thalia. I, I honestly forgot they were reprinting her, but shout out to them, because 
I've been playing a bunch of the mono white deck in standard. And if you just want like, you know, there's some inter- there's some interesting play lines, but generally if you just want good li- mindless fun where you're just going to smack, the mono white deck is basically like the mono red deck right now. Um, and I think something like a twin blade geist, which is a, a double striker that also disturbs into an aura that gives something double strike. I mean, that and Luminarch Aspirant, or like that plus Maul of the Skyclaves are like best friends. So that, or even the uh, the new vampire that like um, draws you a card whenever you have a uh, creature with power two or less enter. I think those are both like nice includes for that mono white deck. But I actually had to pick a red card for one single reason. Uh, they're reprinting a braid. So absolute banger from back in, uh, was it Amaket or Hour of Dev? One of those two sets. Hour of Dev. So deals three damage to uh, creatures or does, is it Planeswalkers as well? Uh, just creatures. Just dark creatures. But, I mean, you know, that kills a good amount of things, you know. Kills a werewolf pack leader. Uh, kills basically everything out of the mono white deck. You know, so totally fine removal spell. Uh, but also destroy target artifact is the other option. You can choose one of those two. And, um, you know, Oak was talking about uh, how Esca, or uh, sorry, uh, Alrin's Epiphany is a, you know, it's, it's a powerful card. A lot of people are saying, hey, it should get banned. But there's a... There's a green card that I think should get banned more because that's a pain in my fucking ass, and that's Eska's Chariot. <laughs> you know what an easy way to kill that thing? Destroy target artifact. That's what. Usually it's hard to get it because you got to wait until it's a creature and either, you know, hit it with, like, an Infernal Grasp or you got to try and block it, and if you're trying to block that thing, it's already over. Nah. Just get him with the Abrade. <laughs> get that shit out of here. I don't want that in my format. Kill it. But actually, play those other two white cards because they'll make your deck more proactive, but Abrade, also just a good pickup. A braid also notably, I'm not sure if you mentioned this, Julian, uh, an instant, very helpful, but also a common. So uh, feel free to, you know, pick a bunch of those up and draft and just go go wild. Oh yeah, true. That that card is gonna is gonna kick butt and draft. Mm. Unfortunate that it does it does not hit to the 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 bigger things in uh, standard goldspan dragon and uh, out of mono green doesn't kill old growth troll, but yeah. we have other more nasty devices to get rid of those guys. So while we're at it, um, I mean, we're already talking about, you know, limited picks. So uh, why don't we go over some uh, sweet, you know, low-power limited picks for Popper, perhaps, or just, you know, a little little arena draft. (laughs) I don't know how good my pick would be in draft, but I think it'd be pretty strong in Popper. I went with Dreadlight Monstrosity, uh, which is 4 and 2 blue for a Ward 2, 5-5, but it also has the ability of 3 and 2 blue, uh, Dreadlight Monstrosity can't be blocked this turn. Activate only if you control a card in exile. Your main use case for getting a card in exile in draft, I think, would be Disturb, where you would disturb a card, mm-hmm. have it come back, and then have it get exiled. But that's that's going to be a little bit harder to secure and a little bit harder to guarantee consistently in draft. Um, but in Pauper, on the other hand, you know you can look for those flashback cards. If there are, are any good cards with Disturb, you can also play those. I think in in constructed pauper, it's going to be a lot easier to get a card into exile, and then having a six mana five five unblockable beater every turn is going to be pretty gross. And in some pauper games, you're never going to want to pay the five mana to make this unblockable. And in some other pauper games, you're going to have five islands in your hand, and you're going to be like, I will happily spend my mana to do something at least. <laughs> so uh, I like that this has a mana sink built in. I like that it has protection. Uh, I just like this card. I also like that it's a giant crab. <laughs> Another great way that we just saw in this set too to get cards into exile, especially if you're playing the, the popper EDH circles, is going to be Honored Heirloom. Three mana rock taps for any color. Tap two in it, exile a card from a graveyard. So it's targeted graveyard removal when you need it and turns on Dreadlight Monstrosity when you don't. The Monstrosity also just a brick wall. 
like Eric was saying, like sometimes you're going to want to make it unblockable, but also sometimes you can just have it chill and literally no one can touch you. War two, I think is, is very annoying. <laughs> As someone who had his spells discounted by two for his entire previous popper game, <laughs> I would not like to see what it looked like if they were instead increased in cost by two. That does not sound like fun. On the complete opposite side of the spectrum, I went with a much different card, Reckless Impulse. Two mana sorcery, exile the top two cards of your library until end of your next turn, you may play those cards. So we don't get a lot of quote-unquote draw effects outside of blue, especially at this rate. And I think this is going to be absolutely fantastic and limited to kind of churn through a deck uh, when you have games that can so easily become kind of just getting through all your, your lands or not getting enough lands. And this kind of just moves you faster through those cards in a color and at common where you might not usually have access to these sort of skills. Pair with a couple Kessig Flame Breathers, another common, if you really want to have a good time, because those are whenever you cast not a creature spell, deal one damage to each opponent. A little bit of fun synergy going on there. Uh, and I think this is going to be great in, in PDH. Really, any deck that can play red is probably going to pick up this card. Um, I, I honestly like this for a Crackling Drake a little bit, considering with Crackling Drake, you know, you do have access to blue, draw spells, and then you, you know, you can play them and they end up in your graveyard and power up Crackling Drake. But this way, whatever cards you exile, you either can use them or they're still going to be useful for Crackling Drake because he cares about cards in graveyard or exile. It doesn't just have to be graveyard. So it's a good little way to kind of get some cards in there that are kind of untouchable uh, for, you know, for a while. But uh, I think that's going to be pretty good. And of course, in EDH, you have it for Prosper. I think it's an, an all-star in all the formats you could maybe want to play it in. And this is until the end of your next turn, too. So you, you yes. get to untap and then have all the mana in the world to cast whatever spells you exile. I got a card advantage card as well, except mine's blue. Surprise. We're, we're actually just drawing cards. <laughs> Um, well, sort of. Uh, mine's Scattered Thoughts. It's a three and a blue for an instant, so already love it. Uh, look at the top four cards of your library. <laughs> you you could literally print a card three and a blue instant. Lose the game. Just do nothing. <laughs> just do nothing, and I would be like, all right, bet. I'm, I'm getting a foil one. Um, look at the top four cards of your library. Put two of those cards into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. So it is a draw two for four which we at instant speed, which we have seen has been good in numerous formats since we've started playing um it is selection you get to look at all four and take the best two and you get to put the other two into your graveyard which one in something like uh you know crimson vow limited this is going to be excellent because there's cards that recur cards and also there's cards that uh, have disturb um it's going to be even better in the double feature when they do that because there's just going to be even more disturb um like creatures and also just more recursion um and flashback Oh, yes, true. Flashback is in that set. I always forget that Flashback is not in this set because they were just like, we're just going to do literally every mechanic ever in Innistrad um, in Midnight Hunt. And then in things like uh, PDH, this is, once again, just good. And, um, you know, I was thinking about Chev's uh, Toast deck the other day, which is the uh, Ghost of Ramirez de Pietro and Tormod. This is just filling your graveyard uh, either to um, get things back with Ramirez or... Um, so basically you're drawing three for four or to just fill that up so that you can exile more stuff to make more uh, zombies. And I'm sure there's, you know, a million other pauper commanders that would uh, care about you being able to put things in the graveyard. Uh, and lastly, just the art is like weirdly kind of cute. It's like just like this little homunculus guy kind of like walking through the library, except the library is just full of brains and jars on shelves. And uh, 
there's one that fell on the floor and it is it, like it smashed and like the brains all over the floor scattered thoughts get it it's <laughs> it's kind of it's, it's kind of memey but i like i like it anyway i think i might be uh dating myself here but that might win for a flavor pick for young frankenstein have any of you guys seen that movie I don't think so. It's no. a Mel Brooks comedy of Frankenstein, but he sends his assistant to go get a brain from the local brain store. <laughs> and the one that they want, he drops. And so he goes instead with one that said abnormal on it. And that is how Frankenstein became really, really, or Frankenstein's monster became stupid. <laughs> that's is. funny. That, there, I'm, there's I'm a very sure good a bit of like the moment where Frankenstein is interrogating his assistant as to what the heck just happened. and The brain didn't is, belong to Abby something. Abby normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, great card. We're getting scattered yeah. thoughts. Oak, it's, what do you got for yeah. this, this low power well, pick? Uh, LPP. One last comment on scattered thoughts. It's kind of like a little baby, like factor fiction, sort of, you know? It's Ooh. just like one less card, but, and there's no politics, but anyways. Um, I have a very, <laughs> I have a very humble uh, pick for mine. Uh, it is a card that honestly probably wouldn't be amazing in Popper, but I thought. It'd be pretty sweet and limited. Uh, this is Courier Bat. It is two and a black for a 2-2 bat with flying. And when Courier Bat enters the battlefield, if you gain life this turn, return up to one target creature card from your graveyard to your hand. So I'm the type of guy that'll just play a 2-2 flyer for three mana, like just straight up. You know, if it's if there's only one mana pip, then why not? Uh, my arm's bleeding. Good on this flyer. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um, speaking of blood. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. I make just, my own blood tokens. Yeah. The, um, just that extra effect. Like, this is a set full of vampires, so there's going to be just life gain out the wazoo. Um, it really shouldn't be hard to get that triggered ability. Uh, as in, you know, curry bats in black. So if you're in black or even just splashing black, you're probably going to have access to some of that life gain. You get your 2-2 flyer, and when it enters the battlefield you uh, get to replace it with a card from your graveyard so big thumbs up for me yeah just all purpose can't wait to just keep drafting blue black just like i did midnight hunt yep <laughs> that's just what you do in every set it doesn't matter what it is <laughs> yeah it's like how i force selesnia every set you force blue black every set it's the way it goes uh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so, Chev, you were you were you were mentioning Young Frankenstein, but we actually have a, a whole whole category that is best callback or flavor uh, win, which Innistrad usually is very high on those. So, what do we got? Yeah, so I'm personally, I think I'm I'm really interested to see. We we got a little bit from uh, what double feature will entail, right? A lot of black and white art, and it says some will relate to horror movies. So I'm interested to see where a lot of these go because I didn't find a lot of direct sort of horror movies or connections between a lot of these cards. But one that I did was Boarded Window. Um, it, it's a three-mana artifact. They're the same thing. Um, three-mana artifact. Creatures attacking you get minus one, minus O. Oh. And at the beginning of each end step, if you were dealt four or more damage this turn, exile Boarded Window. The art, of course, is a window with four boards and something's eating it. So I think that's that's really cool with this idea of, you know, zombies are being kept out, but they're slowly, they keep coming at you until finally, you know, they're able to break through. You also could see this as uh, probably some of us from our, our early gaming days playing Call of Duty World at War or one of those zombie <laughs> modes. 
with the uh, the four boards on the window, and you got to keep putting them back up, or they'll they'll eventually get through. Carpenter. I just think this is a. <laughs> I think this is just a solid, a solid, you know, nice throwback. We got to keep out the weird ghouls. We got to keep out the Julians of the world, and um, and you know, it's 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 what I want from a, a horror flavor card in my Innistrad set. Absolutely. Uh, I also like the idea of like. At the end of each turn, you like slam back up all the boards, and you're like, "All right, good. I could take another three. Yeah, damage. a little bit of life gain. <laughs> I mean, if you can get life gain on your turn, it's gonna make it uh, so the four damage isn't dealt, which I think is pretty cool. It's not on. It's not on combat. Okay. Or wouldn't it make it so that four damage was dealt? Because like taking damage and gaining life isn't. It doesn't say if you have four True, less they, life than I you guess start. They're, they're separate. That seems weird. They don't counteract each other. If that's what you're trying to say. Oh, that's sad. So you could, like, lose four and then gain eight, and I think it would still disappear. But You'd still lose. (laughs) Unfortunate. Another way to exile a card for your Dreadlight Monstrosity. Just take five to the face. (laughs) I mean, Chev, listen. If they come through and tear down your whole window, and then later you come back, except they've already busted through your wall, it doesn't really matter, even though you have eight boards in your hand. You know, they already busted through your entire wall. They're in your house. You know what I mean? They're in your home. (laughs) Well, mine is much more just nicely crafted uh, in terms of gameplay and also name and art. It's not not so much a callback to uh, I love the zombies callback, Um, but mine is lacerate flesh uh, four and a red for a sorcery deals four damage to target creature. And then um, you create a number of blood tokens equal to the amount of excess damage dealt dealt to that creature this way right so if you're a a vampire and you're gonna go slice somebody up you know obviously you really really all you need is like one one good poke through the heart and you're good to go but if you go and you make a mess and you overkill you know and you you just cut them up and there's blood lying all over the floor you just you have all that extra blood lying over the floor you know what i mean (laughs) yeah man i got you i got you (laughs) i too have lacerated many a flesh in my day and am very familiar with the blood that results yes like, you know, you play Gears of War, right? And you chainsaw somebody. There's a lot of blood coming out, right? Where you, you could have just shot. You could have just shot. Yeah, Doom. You could have just shot him. That's all you need. You know, like if you deal four damage to a, a creature with one toughness, all you need is that one bullet. But you you just came through and you just lit him up and there's just blood all over the place. Have we said what blood tokens do or are we just assuming that people know that? Uh, we I think did we went over it last podcast, episode. but we can go over it again. They are a, a, a game object. Uh, they have their artifact tokens, and they have a one one generic mana, tap it, discard a card, sacrifice, draw a card. So they're, they're looty things um, to put things in the graveyard so that you can then uh, get those things back with your courier bats. I heard they made them artifacts because there's iron in the blood. Get it? <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I would like to leave. Um, my sort of callback is not a callback to any particular flavor, um, but it isn't a callback to an old card. Uh, this is Undying Malice, uh, which, if you've ever heard of the card Undying Evil, you'll know where this is going. <laughs> um, but it's essentially a one-mana instant that uh, gives a creature, whenever this creature dies, return it to the battlefield tapped under its owner's control with a plus one, plus one counter on it, which... Uh, if you if you take that sentence, just kind of compress it into a single word, uh, the word that comes to mind is probably undying. <laughs> uh, not because it's the name of the card, because it was the name of the mechanic where a cre- if a creature dies, uh, like it comes back to the battlefield with a 1-1 counter. So this is just doing that, uh, except the creature comes in tapped. And again, it is uh, 
essentially just a slightly worse version of an old card, Undying Evil, which was same mana cost, same speed, uh, the creature just doesn't come back in tapped. Um, but, you know what? Um, this is a common, so, uh, my, my Grey Merchant of Asphodel PDH deck is gonna Boo. appreciate the redundancy. <laughs> what can I say? I think you mean Carter. Rakdos Turbo Fog. <laughs> that too. Yay, Turbo that Fog. Too. Boo, Gary. <laughs> uh, for this, I chose a card. Uh, fun fact, you can search for a flavor text on Scryfall uh, to say, like, hey, does the, just show me cards with flavor text. But I was looking through those because I wanted to focus on a card that had some interesting flavor text. Uh, and I thought that By Invitation Only had some really good flavor text and some really good flavor in general. Uh, by Invitation Only... Is three and two white. Choose a number between zero and thirteen. Each player sacrifices that many creatures. Lord knows why you would ever choose zero. I guess two. Just spend five mana on a sorcery and call it a day. But uh, it shows someone just getting obliterated by uh, <laughs> the Learn Brown Barrier, which is a barrier that Olivia has thrown up around the wedding, so that if you don't have an invite, you simply die if you show up. Uh, and. It also gets to incorporate the number 13, which we see a lot on Innistrad, and it's a very good, like, unlucky number 13, something that really just vibes with the setting. So, I love how By Invitation only looks, I love how it connects to the setting uh, narratively, and I just love the flavor of how they made the card work. I love that card because it's great in control decks. That is a strong control card. Reminds me of, like, Hollowed Burial, kind of, or gets Mm -hmm. around indestructible. Mm -hmm. I also like that if you're running a token deck and you're far enough ahead, it's just a one-sided board wipe. You're like, I would like you to sacrifice your several Eldrazi Titans and I will sacrifice these one ones and still have Three all of my, <laughs> so I will still have all of my money, my money cards, you know, like I still have my Avenger and everything. Up next is one of our favorite categories because we get to talk about one of our favorite formats. We can talk about Commander, and we get to talk about our favorite new Commanders. Why don't you go first, Eric? And you know what? Because these, these gentlemen are all over here chuckling up a storm, I'm just going to steal the thunder and continue talking. Uh, I want to talk about Halana uh, and Elena, partners. Julian stole the Wait, one that I Wait, is that, that actually their name? Is it actually partners? Comma partners? Yeah, Th- just their partners. Name is partners. Not like partners in crime, hunting partners. No, just partners. That's like... Just the dumbest shit I've ever heard. I think it's the... Uh, they couldn't fit the world... domestic partners on the card, so they just went with partners. <laughs> oh yeah, my I think God. they were going for the, we need to release this in China, so we're not going to say anything about the relationship they share. We're just going to wink Hello? and hope that you know it gives us our representation checkmark. But Chev, they were partners in command... <laughs> <laughs> and they were they partners were roommates in in uh they were partners in commander legends chev that's why they're called partners oh yeah it's after the mechanic right, yes. mechanic halana and elena gal pals um <laughs> no but uh anyway halana and elena two red and a green first strike reach uh at the beginning of combat on your turn put x one one counters on another target creature you control where x is halana and elena's power that creature gains haste until the end of turn. This effect immediately reminded me of Xenogod, which is a very powerful effect and a very pow- powerful creature. And so it falling into that same vein and looking at sort of similar effects for creatures made me really excited about this as an option for Commander. Uh, it also reminded me that this works with Wolfgar. So we've already done a lot towards like why Wolfgar is good and how to build Wolfgar well. So this is a card that reminds me of two powerful 
uh, girl commanders that we've already seen. And uh, I'm excited to see a deck with it in it and potentially build a deck with it in it because I think it has the potential to be a very interesting and a very cool commander. Yeah, I like that you can, um, oh, sorry, psych, okay, I was, I was like 100% about to say, I like that you can make Halana and Elena bigger, and then the counters just keep getting bigger, but you can't. But, you can make Halana and Elena bigger in other ways, like, you could just cast, like, a giant growth on them, and it's like, boom, five one one counters, yeah. awesome. Yeah, man, if only <laughs> Gruul had way to buff up their own creatures so that Halana and Elena got bigger. <laughs> if only. Just never find it in those colors. <laughs> yeah. Oh. I got an excuse to run become immense in here. Oh, dirty. <laughs> Ooh, classification. Bro, that would be wild. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh no. Oh, or you magnetize the hammer, uh, the <laughs> the one mana ten equip hammer onto Halana and Elena. Yeah. Mm. You're doing some stuff. Good baseline. Even better with the effect. I like the card. I kind of wish that they had just took the two partner cards and just basically mashed them together, and it just had. All of the abilities of that pair. I know that's like redundant. You can already do that <laughs> by playing both partners. But then I have to play two cards <laughs> and not one card. Consider you would have to pay the cost of two cards to play that one card. As usual, Julian wants things that are a bit weird and out I there. I want and my cake not printable. and to eat it too. Yes. But anyway, <laughs> I will say... Why 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 can't we just have why can't this be the wedding why can't these two be the wedding that we're having I don't even like Olivia and Edgar's a creepy and old <laughs> why <laughs> that can't is very this be true the like his we're, we're not talking about the uh, the groom card in this set but my man has had better centuries my man's looking rough if if you're looking for your husband in a crypt um you're looking in the wrong place I'm just gonna I'm gonna lay that Olivia out right now is a gold digger especially when Soren's out here looking like he is. My man's a dime. Make everybody with Amadee. <laughs> so speaking of, you know, uh. those those vampire lords and how ridiculous they are, let's talk about the best of all the vampire lords, as I found out probably three days ago. And that is Runo Stromkirk. So right, there are multiple... This guy's in blue. What's up with that? What's up? There ain't no vampires in blue, brother. <laughs> so that's that's the thing, right? There's there's all these different vampire families that have different characteristics on Innistrad. The Stromkirks, I, I think, have ties to Nefalia and I, I guess really like sea monsters. And I think um, the... So Runo Stromkirk is a three-mana 1-4 flying vampire cleric. Uh, cleric type, as we realized last cast. There's way too many random ones. Um, when Runo Stromkirk enters the battlefield, put up to one target creature card from your graveyard on top of your library. And then, at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may reveal that card. If it's a creature card with mana value 6 or greater, transform Runo Stromkirk into... Krothis, Lord of the Deep, who's a flying 3-5 Kraken Horror. And so I think there's something that, like, Krothis is actually the um, patron of the Stromkirks, or there's some some connection there in the lore, something-something, doesn't matter. What does matter is, whenever Krothis, Lord of the Deep, attacks, create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of another target-attacking creature. If that creature is a Kraken, Leviathan, Octopus, or Serpent, create two of those tokens instead. You know, I'm going to be honest, I did not see Sea Monster Tribal uh, from a vampire coming this set, but, you know, here we are. I, I also appreciate it's a Sea Monster sort of theme outside of Simic, because I've seen, you know, we had Erichthemis, whatever the one from C18 was, um, a couple others, they're all in that green, blue, Nah, it's fine, it's just too strong. So, 
I like this, seeing it in something else. Um, the design space is also pretty interesting because you have the front that cares a little bit about the the top deck themes. So running things like maybe a sensei stop, a scroll rack, if you're feeling uh, baller or even a crystal ball, because you know sometimes you're not going to get something in your graveyard that you want to recur, but you want to be able to flip into Krothis because that's where all the fun's going to happen. Um, then we get to the backside and we have plenty of very strong sea monsters of these types. Hullbreaker Horror uh, from the set that I think Julian will go into in a little bit. We have Geruda from Ikoria. We have Serpent of the Yawning Depths that makes everything unblockable. Mostly you want to focus on non-legendary creatures because then you get to keep the two copies. And they don't disappear, so just build your board of massive threats and just keep swinging. Unfortunately, there aren't a lot of super powerful 6-mana plus sea monsters. So, you know, we have to have to go digging a little bit if we're going to build this. And you know what else has tentacles? <laughs> it's the Eldrazi. <laughs> Uh, we got Artisan of Kozilek, It That Betrays, Bane of Balaged, Sire of Stagnation, all non-legendaries. Make those copies, get those Annihilator triggers, make everyone else sad, get punched in the face. That is the way to play this commander, and I would play it no differently. Um, one thing I do want to bring up before I kind of end this rant, we, we talked once about we never really build for Two-Headed Giant, but something I noticed about Krothis is it's whenever it attacks, create a token of another attacking creature. It doesn't have to be yours. Now, you know, you're never going to be attacking with Krothis when your opponent attacks, but in a two-headed giant game, whatever your, your partner's got, make something cool. Um, so I think that's a pretty interesting way to build this as well. But if I build it, it'll be with Eldrazi. I'll probably build it. It's going to be a great time. So you could always throw an arcane adaptation in there, and all of a sudden, all your Eldrazi are octopuses as well even though we all know oh, they really you, are but <laughs> if you did not think yeah. arcane adaptation and maskwood nexus were not going to be in this final <laughs> list i think i have it half built on moxfield already <laughs> nice i also want to say that this is discrimination kraken leviathan octopus serpent notably excludes crabs rude <laughs> dreadlight monstrosity just isn't allowed to come to the party he just doesn't get to join in that's that's messed up yeah, if only I could get a Conduit of Ruin for that mana and have my first spell cost four less generic <laughs> each turn. Chev, uh. <laughs> you're also forgetting uh, Xenograft and Conspiracy, which also make all your all your cards just just stop. <laughs> um, I, I will say, I, I do appreciate how Olivia's over here, like enabling the most like convoluted. I want to establish a uh, monopoly like gangster family wedding here on Innistrad so that I have all the power and Runo Stromkirk is over here and he's like yes but have you considered Cthulhu <laughs> yeah what if instead of family no, you had sea monsters what, what, what if you had the literal gods of chaos coming out from the, the blind eternities I do appreciate <laughs> it but you're over here getting all dressed up in your gown and putting rings on fingers dumb bitch yeah that's messed up rude just just needlessly rude. All right, talk about the commander that you stole out from under me because you're more prepared and looked at this document before I did. I didn't realize that this was going to be such a contentious topic that I picked one of the, the Rakdos cards, which is like a, a color combination <laughs> that is never played in our playgroup. Uh, I picked Angie, Maid of Dishonor. First off, I just love the title. Maid of Dishonor, I think that's fucking hilarious. I'm a basic bitch and my humor is basic bitch. Uh, second... She's a four mana, four or five. She's like thick. You know what I mean? She's a thick girl. She's got the badonkadonk. donk. Uh, also, just like in standard, I feel like that is just going to be like solid. But uh, lastly, sorry, not even lastly. I have these numbered and I, I'm just in the middle and I said last. Um, uh, she is a, another 
vampire tribal commander. Um, because I guess I should just read her, right? Probably. Might help. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, she's a four mana four or five. She's she's two and a two and a black red for four or five. She's a vampire, of course, obviously. Um, whenever she or one or more other vampires enter the battlefield under my control, under your control, my control. Also, notice this did not say non-token. So this is, if you're making tokens, boom, you got it. Uh, create a blood token, although this only triggers once per turn because Wizards just doesn't want us to literally have fun with any cards anymore. Have you noticed? How many cards does it say this ability triggers only once each turn on in the last like, three sets? In the last like three sets? I have no problems with that. I don't know. Honestly, I just, I mean, you're probably right, but still. Uh, and then she also has an activated ability, uh, two generic, sacrifice another creature or a blood token, which you will be making with those creatures that are entering the battlefield. Each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. Okay. So she is a vampire tribal commander in that she wants you to be having vampires enter the battlefield, non-token or otherwise. And she provides card advantage via that with the blood tokens, which we said before, give you that kind of that loot ability. There's a bunch of legendary vampires, but there's not that many that are actually like quote unquote vampire tribal focused. So she is already one of a few, and she's coming at it from a completely different angle, which I really appreciate. Um, also, I'm just, I, if you give me card advantage on a card, I, I just am like, yeah, great. I, that's that's my thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm not complaining about that. <laughs> well, it, gives you, it gives you blood tokens that you can then turn into card advantage. It's the long yeah. game of card advantage. <laughs> well, it's not even card, card advantage still, because you have to cycle a card with the blood token. Like, Right, but you're getting it, rid it's of card okay. inherently that you don't want. Card... Yes, card selection. I'm, in any Listen, anything that churns through your deck, I term as quote-unquote card advantage, just because generally white and red just don't even have that. So this is just a way to do this. Also, Rakdos decks, vampires, generally on the aggressive side. So being able to just come through and start beating face, especially with a four mana, four or five, uh, and then at the end, when things are stalling up or whatever... You can just start sacking things, especially a bunch of those blood tokens, which you don't care about, and just draining people out. Super attractive idea to me, um, especially if you add in, uh, like we were talking about last week, uh, things that say whenever you gain, you know, whatever life, each opponent loses that too. So now you're draining for two plus whatever your card says, or if you have things like wound reflection, uh, trigger that. Now everybody already lost two, so now they're going to lose another two, and that's only if you activate it once a turn. If you activate it multiple times a turn, it's crazy. Uh, lastly, also, I really like this just because this is the first, like, Rakdos commander in a while that I've been like, hmm, I actually might build that. Generally, there's a Rakdos commander, and I'm like, nah, I don't, I just, I just don't care because I just don't really like Rakdos, but this is, this is hot. I like this. Something I think that would be also kind of interesting is because it's Anji or Anya not giving the blood tokens the ability to, you know, tap two and deal damage. She is a red source, so you can run something like Torbran and uh, make it a whole lot worse. Or I was going to say you could run Alhamrit's Archive and turn mm. your life gain into more life gain and also your card selection into card advantage when you draw two cards. There you go, Oak. <laughs> Chev, I don't think that works because it's, it's each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. It's oh, not it doesn't dealing deal damage. damage. Right. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. But I mean, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's black effects that say right, if right, an opponent yeah. would lose life, they lose X life plus one or whatever, you know. So, yeah, there's ways to do the thing. If Anja said, uh, sacrifice another creature or a blood token, each opponent, or Anya deals two damage to each opponent, then we start busting out the tainted strikes and we're, we're <laughs> moving. Just absolutely disgusting. I gotta say, I think this version of Anya compared to her, um, uh, C whatever 
printing is a little bit worse just because there's no tap ability. You so don't say. When someone says, I'm going to tap on you, you can't respond with, I'm going to tap on you nuts. How many times have I brought that up now? <laughs> <laughs> Several times, but honestly, it never gets old. I think this is only the second time on the podcast, but but not the second time to us. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, just, just talking to us, it's been a million times, never gets old. Okay, glad, to, glad to hear one of you thinks that, because I can tell Ch- by the look on Chev's face, he's fucking sick of my voice. Chev, Chev, is, Chev is dead inside. <laughs> um, e- Eric, um, I'd like to hear why you're why you're so mad that I, I stole this out from you. It's entirely fine. I'm happy to explain, though. I just wanted to talk about out aristocrats and engage more with aristocrats because I got to investigate that last week when uh, we were going into uh, the deck centered by Frigid and the uh, aristocrats cleric tribal deck I made, so... I was interested in sort of delving into that more and this, uh, the sack plan. I like it. I think it's cool. There you go, Oak. Sack. On your sack. Not sack. Easy. Not sack. On your sack. There you go. Um, since we're, uh, since we're making jokes here, uh, let's, let's talk about this commander selection. First of all, guys, I, I didn't love the selection of commanders, honestly. <laughs> the, the, if there were wanna... some... There was some if, whack. If you want to, if you want to, uh, it's it's been medium. Maybe been medium. not hot tank. Mo- mostly, I'm I'm mad about my man Odric. I I thought they were gonna make him really cool, but they just turned him into a vampire, and his ability sucks. So I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about instead, Magic's possibly <laughs> first printing of a actual homeless man. This is old <laughs> Rutstein, <laughs> a legendary homeless man. That's awesome. Um. <laughs> Okay, two reasons I like this guy. One, he's just a goon. I mean, I you know, I, I got a soft spot for, like, funny magic cards. And, you know, like, the I mean, just look at the art. Like, the art is like, he's that, the, um... Merchant what are you from, buying? Exactly, he's the merchant from Resident Evil 4. He's like, what are you buying, stranger? So, uh, but you don't buy anything from them. Uh, instead, what he does, uh, he's a one... Generic, one black, one green, three mana total. Human peasant, legendary creature, mind you. When he enters the battlefield or at the beginning of your upkeep, mill a card. If a land card is milled this way, create a treasure. If a creature card is milled, create a 1-1 green insect token. If a non-creature, or if any other card is milled, create a blood token. So this guy is like... This this is the second reason I like him. Um, He does just enough that, like, over the course of like, maybe five turns, he can accumulate enough advantage for, like, one cast of Maelstrom Wanderer, but (laughs) he's just bad enough that he's probably gonna fly under your opponent's radar for most of the game, because he's doing stuff, but it's just, like, not much. So it's like, why even waste a kill spell on this man? I don't know. He gives you, uh, essentially, uh, with treasure tokens, blood tokens, and very small creature tokens, uh, pretty good sack outlets uh, overall, and the fact that he's uh, just, you know, milling a card a turn makes it so that this will be a good sort of build around for some sort of, like, green-black deck that um, focuses on, like, sacking or just the graveyard, which I mean most of them do. So... Um, I, I think you also, just, like, playing this card, you're gonna get into a lot of funny situations where you're, like, uh, blocking with old Rutstein, or old Rutstein is, like, old Rutstein's got double strike, or old Rutstein's left the building or something (laughs) when it gets bounced. (laughs) So, I don't know, it just seems like kind of a 
fun, funny card to play, and you could probably make it into a half decent deck that just wins out of nowhere. Uh, if you're if you got more than two brain cells, which I don't, so it'll be someone else's job. I I'm trying to see how you break this guy, or not break this guy, but just get him there. Yep. I haven't figured it out yet, but ho- hopefully someone will enlighten us. I got it. I got it right. Because he's green black. He's green black, right? Like that's just the the color of doing busted crap. You you play Strionic Resonator, and then you get to mill two cards a turn. Amazing. Right? What a concept! <laughs> I mean, there's got conjurers. Uh, <laughs> if you got conjurers, cause it. Oh, run dredge like three or four. Oh, ETB. Just run yeah. dredge. Oh yeah, just run dredge. Yeah. Well, look at that. We, we've sorted out how black can mill itself so many times, and the answer is always just run dredge. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I believe this only triggers when he does the thing. I don't think it's on yeah. any. Mill. Oh, if a land card is milled this way, never mind. This is a bad card. <laughs> Yeah, there's definitely, like, this could have been a mill commander that is more interesting if it was just whenever you mill a card, but alas. Bro, we already got old stick fingers. Old stickly stick. I was I was thinking about right. him. Old stick fingers him. is not a mill commander. Old stick fingers is a combo commander. Anyways, old Rudstein. So, Oak, you uh, you said you weren't too thrilled with the uh, commander picks, Correct. but are there any cards you, you see in the set that you want to put into your commander decks? Yeah, um, there's a couple. Uh, one of them we sort of already went over uh, by invitation only. I think it's just a really sweet board wipe for getting around Ulamog. I mean, creatures with indestructible. <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, again, very similar to um, Hollowed Burial. Um, I'm a big fan of Necro Duality as a card. Uh, I wish I had a zombie deck to put this in. But I don't, so I, I won't be playing it. Make and, one. I mean, Cultivator Colossus is, is pretty sweet, but, well, he, he's a plant and not an elemental like I was hoping for my Neo Maelstrom Wanderer deck. So I probably won't be running him either. Um, so, yeah, how about those dual lands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. This this wasn't a super hot set for, for EDH for me, personally. So, I, I'd like to hear some of your guys' choices. Oak, it sounds like you just need to build another deck to put some of these cards in. Perhaps. Perhaps. Like a zombie deck. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to get the same suggestion because I have the same comment, which is like, I'm pretty pretty medium on this set. <laughs> uh, well, well, with what the exception did you find? of Cultivator Colossus definitely can get a spot in the Jota deck. Uh, Golos deck, Jota deck, Golos deck, whatever. <laughs> Back to Jota. Um, not mad. Uh, <laughs> and Maniform Hellkite, I think, is actually a very cool card to add into the Ur-Dragon because it benefits off of casting small spells and stuff like that, which the Ur-Dragon runs a lot of tiny ramp spells and a lot of smaller enchantments and stuff, uh, including things like Dragon Tempest, which would work super well with Maniform Hellkite, which will create a bunch of very small dragons, which I can use to clear out blockers, get through some of the board. All of those creatures will have haste, uh, or have haste by default, essentially just swing in. If Ur-Dragon's out on the field, it's a ton of benefit, even if he isn't. It's damage, it's progress, it's just a... This Maniform Hellkite, I think, is just going to work really well in the deck, and I will have to, when I finally do make a revamped version, include that, I think. That's all I can think about when I see this card. So I'm yeah, gonna have no it's going to be a threat. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. Yeah, we're, we're going to see a lot of pew pews. I just started blasting. Um, well, you guys, it seems like, had a couple more cards. So, uh, Oak, Julian, what are, you, what are you guys thinking about this set? Yeah, Oak, yeah, tell us Oak. what you think about this set. <laughs> sorry, oh, Julian, Jeff. Jeff, words. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, well, 
Chev, Chev mentioned earlier the uh, the Holebreaker Horror, who is uh, the superior crab. He is a... This is the one fucking card that I didn't link. Uh, let me see if I can get this off the top of my head. Somebody fact check me. Uh, he is a seven mana, five blue, blue for a flash. Cannot be countered. Seven, seven? Seven, eight. Seven, eight. What? He's a seven, eight for seven mana. Busted. Overpowered <laughs> Bantam. Also, he says, whenever you cast a spell, any spell, literally any spell, whenever you cast it, you can return either a permanent to someone's hand or a spell to someone's hand. So you can straight up unsummon things off the stack, which is disgusting. <laughs> but I have a, a blue-black flash deck, and uh, this is going right in it because, one, he's got flash, so he already fits the criteria. <laughs> and, uh, two... Now, whenever I'm casting spells, which we're playing at instant speed because it's a flash deck, we can just start absolutely punting things back to hand, <laughs> off the stack, just really messing with stuff. Um, I've already got Tidespout Tyrant in there, and Hullbreaker Horror is just better. He's a mana less. He's like got better stats. He can't be countered. He has flash. Like He can hit things off the stack. It's just, it's just more stupid blue-black things that I love doing because... The tempo is just too real when I can start removing pieces of your board easily while advancing my board, you know? So, love the Crab Man. Um, he might actually technically be like a Leviathan Horror, Chev. Can you check me on that? He's a Kraken Horror. <laughs> Kraken Horror. Yeah, Kraken is just grown-up crab. That's all it is. <laughs> uh, next, uh, Overcharged Amalgam, parentheses, Exploit Creatures. Uh, Overcharged Amalgam is two blue blue for a zombie horror flash. Oh, this guy could go on the flash deck too. I didn't even realize that. Uh, flash flying exploit three three. When he exploits a creature, counter target spell, activated ability, or triggered ability. I have been in the process of slowly but surely making a Thraxamundar deck, which was uh, actually inspired by our, our, our viewer who sent in that Thraxamundar deck uh, a couple months ago because I got the uh, the secret layer Thraxamundar from the heavy metal one, and I was like, well, I can't just not play this card. <laughs> so uh, that, I kind of I kind of themed it. It's a sacrifice heavy deck, obviously, because that's where Thraxamundar needs, but um, because we started playing in cons block when Exploit was originally started, it's kind of like an Exploit sub-theme, and also I think I'm, I'm almost putting it into like a a Midnight Hunt Crimson Vow sub theme just because there's so much good like with like decayed zombies and like uh exploit from this set and just sacrifice things from Midnight Hunt. Uh, it's kind of becoming almost like a, a block like a, a couple block constructed deck. So I'm gonna be putting a few of those exploit creatures in there just because they're really good. Like Felstinger just draws you cards. It's really good. Uh Diver Scab puts things on top of libraries. Just good. So lastly, gotta talk about the plant in the room. Cultivator <laughs> Colossus. This is a dumb card. <laughs> I have a landfall deck that runs abundance already. And it's just a combo with those two. You just get all the you just get all the lands out of your deck. Draw most of the with Tatiova slash AC out. Probably just draw your entire deck. And Eric, cover your ears for a sec. No, no you're just gonna A, I'm not gonna take out my headphones. And B, you're just gonna play that sword. Uh yeah. <laughs> I'm just I'm just probably just gonna put fish in the deck because, you know. Blame wizards for printing stupid cards. Okay? <laughs> I will not blame wizards for printing stupid cards. I I do not have an issue with fish. I have an issue with fish plus the cards that are just like instantly deck yourself for fun. <laughs> you mean like abundance and cultivator colossus? Mm. Yeah, abundance Tasty. and cultivator colossus. Definitely a one or two mana instant spell that you can <laughs> just throw on the stack whenever and however you'd like. <laughs> That's fair enough. That's fair enough. So anyway, yeah. Yeah, Tat has always been one of my better decks, and 
if I get the combo, that's great. But also, you can just rip Cultivator Colossus, and it's just going to always be good. Also, it's thick. It's got trample. And by thick, I mean it's equal to the number of lands I control, which is always several. Too many. Too it's many. It's always thick. <laughs> yeah, it's always thick. So, uh, yeah, that's that's that was like a slam. Like, Chev, Chev sent me the link to that card as soon as it was spoiled, and I was I would, I was Michael Jordan. I was just like, slam, dunk, in, go, ready. <laughs> you see, the, the hidden tech here is got to start running Armageddon against uh, Julian Statiova deck now <laughs> because that'll kill Cultivator Colossus because both power and toughness are equal to the number of lands. That's true. That's, Chev, that's the real if, only, right there. if you only you had a, uh, I was going to say if only you had a white deck, but you have Oscar, which actually probably could run Armageddon. Please don't do that. <laughs> Chev, Chev kills all the lands and he's like, it's okay. I've already got, I've got my mana vault and my soul ring and all of my signets and like these mind stones. Yeah, what's I'm, everyone I'm mad fine. about? Chev, get the boil. <laughs> <laughs> get the boil. All I'm saying is that if boil and choke found their way into our meta, I'd be happy to try it out. <laughs> Anyway, Chev, what are you we'll, doing? We'll see. Besides, besides those cards, I've I've got a couple interesting ones here. I think, I think for uh, from a PDH standpoint, um, Julian brought up Scattered Thoughts earlier, and while I think that is really good for uh, Tormod and Ghost of Ramirez as a way to put things in directly into your um, graveyard, and then of course Ramirez is get something that was put into your graveyard from your library this turn, so it works well with that. But I really like Pointed Discussion a little bit more. Um, it's a three mana sorcery, draw two cards, lose two life, then create a blood token. And why I like this more is because Ramirez de Pietro can only get something back from your graveyard that was put there this turn, you you don't get any sort of selection if that's not the thing you kind of wanted back. So what I like with pointed discussion is it allows you to um, discard a card through the blood token and then draw a card and then get that card back whenever you, whenever you want to use the ability. I, I see blood tokens kind of like a layaway plan for this deck as a way to kind of trigger the things get it back with Tormod, and so being able to just kind of run that when i want to i think is a super powerful ability on a nicely costed draw spell as for a deck that i'm probably going to the the only real card i think of a established deck i have that is going to see an upgrade is is alchemist gambit for Ocown and zinder split alchemist gambit is a uh, extra turn spell that they printed in this set it is two red and one uh, with Cleave for seven, uh, take an extra turn after this one. During that turn, damage can't be prevented. And what Cleave kind of cuts out is at the beginning of that turn's end step, you lose the game. And so I've been thinking about a while of kind of not necessarily changing a whole bunch of cards, but going into when I play Ocon and Zinder Split with the mindset of like a corrupt casino. Because that's really what we're doing, right? The house always wins. I'm controlling these coin flips. <laughs> I'm going to make big money. And so having effects like gamble in there or having an effect like this where you get an extra turn, that's going to be another turn of Zinder Split drawing you a ton of cards, another turn of Ocown getting super big, and hopefully taking out multiple opponents, I think is going to be super nice. And the reason that I said, you know, only one deck that's established and not Tovalar, for example, is Tovalar is just getting completely redone with this set. We saw so many good werewolves. When I took out everything that I wanted to take out to make room for all the new werewolves, there was nothing left, not even a skeleton. So we're <laughs> getting a huge revamp. We're basically building Tovalar from scratch with everything from the new six mana 4-4 that gives everyone hexproof to the card I want to highlight most, the Howl Pack Piper. That is a 2-2 for four. Can't be countered. Love that line in red-green. Uh, and it has the Elvish Piper ability of tap one in green, to tap it and put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. But if it's a wolf or werewolf, untap El Howl Pack Piper, 
activate only as a sorcery. So you can just go through your hand. You got enough creatures. You're playing all these wolves, and they're not being cast, so you get around the two spells per turn. Backside, a 4-4 that whenever it transforms or ETBs, look at the top six cards of your library, reveal a creature card, put it into your hand, the rest on the bottom. So it's just straight value. These are just some of the cards we're going to be getting for Tovalar, and it's going to it, it's taking a very aggressive spin, which I'm excited to try out. Remember when Midnight Hunt was the werewolf set? <laughs> I do. I was checking, I was doing some run in the numbers. There is only one cycle of rare werewolves in Midnight Hunt, but they tried to, or they didn't try, they did. There's one werewolf for each color. So if you're playing a werewolf tribal deck, only two of those are useful. Meanwhile, for uh, Vow, there's about six rare werewolves, all in color. So just the, the ability to play everything you want to play is is so much higher in this set and, and concentrated in the colors you need. Just play Golos Werewolves. Morphon? Morphon <laughs> Werewolves. There you go. <laughs> For those three werewolves out of color and I guess like some of the old ones. But uh, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really excited. I've taken Tovalar to be a much more low to the ground playing like one, two, and three drops. Really just trying to beat face as soon as possible. I'm excited to see it. I'm not. I'm excited to get my face beat. <laughs> I forget. Do we, do we talk about best art that only the patrons can hear with their secret ears? That's true. We are now going to talk about the, the top secret art stuff for patrons. Yeah, so if you're not a patron, be jealous. See you in a bit. All right, non-patrons, we've returned. You've, you've missed out on some glorious conversation. I think that's it. I think that's all are we, we got. Are we set? Ha! <laughs> Thank you. No one, no one, no one appreciated that joke the first time. I would like to. I would like to end my existence. <laughs> well, then do our outro. Oh God, there's so many things to say. Go somewhere. Look for hex drinkers. If you don't see it there, it's because it's Eric's fault. Yeah. So and it's at the underscore hex drinkers. Yeah. So go uh, out into Spot- the world. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, hexdrinkers.com, our website, YouTube, Twitch, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon. Yeah, that's it. Bingo. That's, that's it. That's what we got. We're everywhere you want us, and probably places yeah. you don't. And, and and probably some places that you don't want us. Hoyo. <laughs> All right, bye. All right. <laughs> Shut the shit down.